Day three of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft. I'm David Locke. Brandon Clean is our draft analyst along with me. And we will be going inside the draft room of all of the Locked On local experts to get their breakdown of their team, their picks, and what's coming up. We're hearing heavy draft rumors as we open day three about Boston and that 14th pick. Will it be the pick to, that gets traded to New Orleans to make the Anthony Davis deal. We got one trade yesterday where Brooklyn moved up to get the 12th pick. Charlotte will now be sitting in the 17th slot today. On the board is the 13th pick for Miami, 14th pick for Boston, 15 for Detroit, 16 is Orlando, 17 is now Charlotte, and 18 is Indiana. They've been... Pick so far, at no surprise, on day one of our mock draft, which you can go back to listen to. Zion Williamson won job around number two. R.J. Barrett went three to New York. Darius Garland, the point guard out of Vanderbilt, went to the Lakers at four. Cleveland took Jarrett Culver at five. And Phoenix surprised everybody with Gonzaga's Brandon Clark. Then we hit day two of our NBA mock draft, and Chicago kicked it off with a Kobe White pick out of North Carolina. Atlanta stole DeAndre Hunter at the eighth spot. Cam Reddish went to Washington with number nine. Little out of North Carolina to Atlanta with ten. Then Minnesota surprised people taking the risky. Kevin Porter Jr. in Brooklyn went with the Frenchman. Uh, Siako, you're going to have to help me out, Brandon. Give me the pronunciation of the young Frenchman. Seiko Dumboya. Seiko Dumboya. And you liked him a lot. What was it you liked him for so much for, for Brooklyn? Just a young electric athlete that I think a team like Brooklyn could use. I think he's a guy who can grow with a young team and uh, excited to see what he does in the NBA. Before we go over to Wes and David with the Miami pick, and there's all sorts of trade rumors floating right now, what is your? who are the guys on the board that intrigue you right now? As we move into this next tier of guys, what jumps out to you? I think the guy I would be most surprised has not gotten picked yet. Probably P.J. Washington, somebody that I expected to go in the top 12. I expected him to be gone from day two of, of our mock draft here. Uh, just a, a pretty perfect small ball, 4-5 in the league. Had a great sophomore season at Kentucky. Came back from injury to lead that team in the NCAA tournament. He's the guy I have my eye on right now. Well, and P.J. Washington, 85th percentile in spot-up shooting Decent role man, pretty good finisher in transition, not great in isolation, but one of the better shooters in the draft, and we all know that everyone can use shooting. All right, let's find out if that's where Miami's going to go and pull the trigger at number one. Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated is with us as well. He'll give us the breakdown on each of these picks. And continuing before the show is over, Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball stop by. It is the Locked On NBA Mock Draft. It's brought to you by ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter, when your company needs to acquire new talent like all these draft picks are acquiring right now. You can go to ZipRecruiter and with all of their incredible technology and their putting you on a hundred of the web's leading job boards at once. They get 80% of the employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through their f- within the first day. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. All right, let's head to Miami for the first pick of day three of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft. Here's Wes Goldberg and David Ramil. We could talk about different positions. The Heat could use a point guard. They could use a power forward. And they're always in the market for length on the perimeter. But what they really need is elite athleticism. Our best scorers right now, Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson, aren't super athletes, which puts a ceiling on their upside. We're looking for a superstar, and and we have limited means to get one. 
We don't have cap space to sign a free agent until 2020, and it might not even be realistic until 2021. We don't have a ton of assets to compete with other teams in the market for Anthony Davis or the next superstar to shake loose. And with the 13th pick, we're willing to take a swing on a player with high upside, even if that player has some risk. Of course, we would have loved for an elite prospect to fall to us, someone like a Cam Reddish or Jared Culver, somebody who projects to be an A-scorer. Sekudu Mbuya, flush with raw talent and with a ton of upside, went one pick ahead of us at number 12. So we would have taken him had he had been on the board, but didn't feel compelled to try and move up at any point in the draft. So number 13, we're looking at a couple of guards with tremendous upside but legitimate red flags. USC's Kevin Porter Jr. and Indiana's Romeo Langford. Other prospects on the board, Gonzaga's Rui Hachimura, uh, Jackson Hayes, the center, uh, Oregon big man Bull Bull, Kentucky's P.J. Washington either didn't fill a team need or don't have enough upside for us here. Porter and Langford are the best high upside guards available. We like their potential to become ball handlers and lead scorers. Both have great instincts as scorers. Porter's talent is unquestionable, and because of his size and his step-back three, it's tempting to make comparisons to James Harden. Langford has similar size, but he's a better driver and a facilitator, though there are questions about his NBA shooting range. Our coaching staff has recently helped Winslow and Richardson improve their jump shot. We think he could do we, that we could do the same with Langford, but there are definitely concerns that he could cramp our spacing. We considered trading the pick here. We discussed a move with the Cleveland Cavaliers to attach the 13th pick to Deion Waiters or James Johnson in exchange for the 26th pick and J.R. Smith, something that's been discussed in real life between the two front offices. We would have, been, we would have then waived Smith's partially guaranteed contract and saved between 12 and $14 million. However, we decided that going from 13 to 26 was a bit too steep, even if it meant getting off a long-term salary. Our need for talent right now is just too great. Internally, we batted around the idea of offering the pick and some veterans to Memphis for Mike Conley or to Houston for Chris Paul, but ultimately decided not to take on another veteran with a bloated contract. So it comes down to Porter and Langford, who have each uh, who each have a ton of upside and play a position of need, but have red flags. Porter is a freak athlete, but his overall feel is questionable. We don't love his feel off the ball despite being a perimeter shooting threat. And there's a steep learning curve for him as a facilitator. There's still maturity issues on and off the floor as well. We aren't worried about that as much with Langford. We're confident he can create offense for himself and for others from day one with his ability to get to the rim and run the pick and roll. And we'll work closely with him to improve his jumper. I'm sure Miami's coaching staff can do a great job improving that. A torn ligament in his thumb contribute to his subpar shooting numbers. So we think incremental improvement will happen there too. At six foot six with a 6'11 wingspan and a nice frame, we like his ability to contest on the ball and switch defensively. A backcourt with Winslow, Richardson, and Romeo Langford will be started defensively right away and has a lot of room for growth in the offensive end. With enough work during the summer and training camp, there's a chance he could start for us on opening night, and we're happy then to select Indiana guard Romeo Langford with a 13th pick. Romeo Lankford out of Indiana, the pick. Let's see what Jeremy Wu from Sports Illustrated thinks of this young point guard. I think this is a good fit with Lankford and Miami. Uh, you know, they, the Heat generally do well getting the most out of their guys and getting them in great shape. And, you know, as long as they people buy in, uh, you know, to what the Heat are selling, you know, I think traditionally you've seen guys get results. Uh, Lankford, you know, is a guy who comes with some questions just after sort of a rough year at Indiana. You know, he was hurt. Uh, with the wrist injury for a lot of it, but at the same time, you know, he played through it, didn't shoot well, hard to parse sort of, you know, which Romeo is the real Romeo. Cause in high school, you know, obviously he was very touted, uh, you know, scored a ton of points uh, playing in, in Indiana in high school. So 
I think the the real answer is probably somewhere in the middle. And I think with Miami, it's a good fit. Uh, you know, just hoping you can get more out of him because uh, he he can really score. Uh, he can get in the paint and finish. He's big. Uh, you know, there's hope he can be a good defender. Uh, you know, you have to get him to do these things, right? And you have to hope that the shot uh, can improve. Uh, and I think some of it's not just the wrist. I think it's just you know, the release mechanically uh, can use a little bit of work. Uh, I'm not a shooting expert, but you know, you look at it and you you can you can tell that you know, there's something that needs to uh, you come along there one way or the other. Uh, but if everything comes together for him, I think you can see him become a starting caliber shooting guard. Um, I'm probably personally a little bit lower on him. Uh, I'm a little bit skeptical just from what I saw at Indiana. You know, he doesn't really go left. Uh, when he goes left, he pulls up and goes to the jump shot. Don't know, you know, how you, early on it's going to be easy to game plan for him. But certainly he can get better. He's still young. Uh, I think it's a good gamble here at 13. Not a ringing endorsement there. And frankly, I've heard some murmurs on Langford as one of those players most likely to possibly drop a little bit in this draft. Brandon's top pick, P.J. Washington, still on the board. What's your thought on Langford? Langford's a guy that I think is fairly risky. I think the season did not go as anyone expected at Indiana under Archie Miller in that first season, connecting those two guys. He's a high school kid from Indiana, and I think a really disappointing year. But the talent's still there. Big for a guard has the shooting ability, can get into the post. Um, statistically, pretty sound despite some of those question marks. So for Miami, they just need playmaking, and I think I like the pick for that reason. Well, guess what? It's time for us to give you another Hims trade. That's right. All trades are brought to you by Hims. Why Hims? Well, because if you get traded, you want to make sure you're performing at the top of your game. And for just $5, Hims will get you started while supplies last and subject to doctor approval. Restrictions apply. See website for more details. But this could cost hundreds if you went to doctors or pharmacy. But go to Hims.com slash locked five. That's for Hims.com slash locked five to get your pickup in your game. In our Hims trade, here it comes down. Anthony Davis has been moved to the Boston Celtics. The Pelicans have shipped Anthony Davis to Boston in exchange for Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, the 14th pick, and the future Memphis pick. Again, Boston trades Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, the 14th pick, which will be taken here in just a moment by New Orleans, and the future Memphis pick. So Tatum and the Memphis pick, probably the big haul here. Marcus Smart as well. Let's go back over to the Pelicans. Before we go to the Pelicans' war room, let's go to the Celtics' war room and hear what John Corrales from Locked On Celtics has to say about making this deal. John Corrales here from Locked On Celtics to explain our side of the Anthony Davis trade that we pulled off with Locked On Pelicans. It is Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and the 14th overall pick and the Memphis pick, which next year is top six protected and the year after is unprotected. Why are these valuable? Well, Marcus Smart is underrated, I think, because he is not only an all-NBA defender, but this past season he shot league average from three, and he's a pretty good point guard, a better point guard and a better passer than a lot of people really understood. And I think one of the things that hurt Boston in the playoffs was not having Marcus Smart to keep Kyrie off the ball a little bit so he could run the offense. That was an important thing that the Celtics did. The Pelicans are getting a, a very good player there that most people aren't considering uh, as much as they should. Obviously, Jason Tatum is a guy that the Pelicans value, 
and maybe depending on person a, a person's kind of feelings here more valuable than a Brandon Ingram more valuable than the third pick kind of depends on who you are and what you think is more important but here the Pelicans clearly thought that it's important to note here that the 14th pick that we're selecting is going to be selected by Boston and signed in this scenario so that can aggregate in the salaries and make the salaries match. That's a that's an option for Danny Ainge this year. It does delay the execution of the trade because there are two options. You can trade the tra- the draft rights or you can sign the guy and wait 30 days. So in this scenario, the actual execution of the trade doesn't happen for 30 days after the draft, but it allows Kyrie Irving to opt out and sign and then Anthony Davis to come to Boston. We don't make this deal unless Kyrie Irving is coming back. In in our estimation, by getting Anthony Davis, that takes Brooklyn out of the running because they need a guy to pair Kyrie with, or else he's going to go there and have a different version of this past year's Boston Celtics. So to me, I think getting this deal done, getting Anthony Davis in the fold, keeps Kyrie Irving. and. We have to make assumptions in this scenario, and that's the assumption that I'm going to make. I don't make this deal, by the way, if Kyrie tells me that he's leaving. I don't make this exact deal. Maybe I still trade for Anthony Davis, and I'm not sure if Danny Ainge will. But right now, I'm banking on the Kyrie re-signing, and then from there, we can restructure Al Horford. Now you're running back with uh, Gordon Hayward being healthy. You keep Jalen Brown, which was important. For the Boston Celtics, you have a star-laden team in Davis and Kyrie, and hopefully with a long-term commitment from Kyrie Irving, you get a long-term commitment from Anthony Davis. That's why I pull the trigger, and that's why the next two moves from the Boston Celtics coming up later are important and why we made those decisions that we did. Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans and I discussed this in depth in our June 3rd crossover episode. Why did the Pelicans value this deal? Why did the Celtics really go in and feel comfortable making this deal? We get into it there, but that for now is the best synopsis of Boston Celtics trading the 14th pick as part of a package headlined by Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, uh, sending the Louisiana kid back to uh, back to the Pelicans and Robert Williams, who I think could be a key piece there. That's our explanation here from the Locked On Celtics podcast. Again, Anthony Davis to Boston in exchange for Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, the 14th pick, and the future Memphis pick taken there in that deal. Jake Madison is now on the board with the 14th pick, and let's hear why the Pelic- what the Pelicans will add to their roster that now includes the young Tatum, Smart, Williams, and a future Memphis pick. Hi, everyone. Jake Madison of the Locked On Pelicans podcast back with you after the Anthony Davis trade. He is going to Boston in exchange for Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, the 14th overall pick in our 2019 draft, and the future Memphis pick, top six protected next year and unprotected after that. 
It was pretty tough to make a decision on the Anthony Davis trade. I looked at a very strong offer from the Los Angeles Clippers centered around Shai Gilgis-Alexander and Landry Shamit, as well as the future unprotected Miami first-round pick in 2021. But ultimately, it was the Boston deal that gave me the best group of young players and future draft picks, including one in this draft where I think there's pretty good value here at 14 overall. Marcus Smart's an immediate starter for this team. So is Jason Tatum. He's got two years left on his road deal, giving me plenty of time to evaluate him. And if you want to pay him when he's a restricted free agency in two seasons, he still fits the timeline as well for Zion Williamson and his development. We are not cutting any corners here like the Dell Demps era in New Orleans tried to do. We're going to try and build this the right way. So now that all of those guys come in, what to do with the 14th overall pick? And since we're expecting a rebuild while still being competitive, you just want to get value, best player available the most talent, the most assets in the door, try and develop those so that when you are ready to build a contender around Zion Williamson, you have a lot of assets and moves to make. And I think 14 overall is a great way to do it. With the way the draft has fallen so far, there's tremendous value here late. You get guys who have a lot of potential to develop that you can bring along slowly while also contributing to the team right away, looking for some guys who have just immediate NBA skills that they can step in and do well. Don't want anyone that's just too developmental at this time. And it was tough. You know, with Robert Williams coming in, do you want to go with another big, even though he's kind of maybe your starting center next year? Do you want to go with another position of need? Uh, Maybe it's small forward or at the wing, something the Pelicans haven't had for maybe a decade, and you have some chance to add some depth there with a guy like Rui Hakamura? Or do you just want to go with the best player available? So there's a number of options for the Pelicans on the table here. And the guy I've decided to go with is going to be the center Jackson Hayes out of Texas. About seven foot with a over seven three wingspan. This is a guy who averaged 10 points, five rebounds, and 2.2 blocks per game, shooting 72.8% E field goal percentage. Basically, he's just a rim running big that I think fits really well next to Zion Williamson. Zion can be the guy running the pick and roll while Hayes rolls to the rim and they can kind of just lob it up to one another depending on how it all goes and finish things that way. Something that most teams aren't going to be equipped to defend in the NBA. He also is going to be projected as a very good rim protector here in the NBA. A guy maybe with shades of Clint Capella in him if all things go well. To not have to throw Zion Williamson against the bigger lumbering center of the NBA that maybe do have a height advantage over him despite his athleticism and give him a slightly easier defensive task that maybe lets him swarm around a little bit more considering he can defend on the perimeter. A guy like Jackson Hayes allows us to do that here and just makes the development of Zion Williamson a whole lot better. You know, he's good below the basket. Hayes is. He can score that way. Doesn't have much of an offhand preferring to go with his right and basically dunking everything. I don't know about his scoring right away his first year in the NBA, but the size and strength is definitely there, and you should be able to see that come along gradually. His free throw shooting percentage is 74%. That likely means he can develop a jumper in the NBA, giving him some more range and allowing him to stretch defenses a little bit too. He does well enough in switching on defense that he can guard other positions as well. You're not just sticking him below the basket. And you know what? He also just goes out and tries hard 
hard. And as we're building a culture here in New Orleans, starting from the ground up, that's very important when it comes to these draft decisions. You can tell he's an inexperienced defender biting on pump fakes too often. The court awareness isn't there either, often missing easy rotations, different things that he should make. And his rebounding leaves a little bit to be desired. Five rebounds per game for a guy of his size. Little bit disappointing. He needs to toughen up, maybe add on a couple of pounds, develop some more strength to be able to kind of out-muscle and box out a little bit better than he did in college. If he does that, though, no one's going to be able to rebound against this team here in New Orleans with Zion Williamson and him starting down low. So there's some development needed, but we're in no rush. And that's why I think this is tremendous value. I didn't expect Hayes here to be at 14. I thought he probably goes in the top 10 in this draft. So getting value for this pick, bringing in just more assets that help the rebuild, I think is definitely the way to go. So Jackson Hayes, 14th overall pick for the New Orleans Pelicans. Jackson Hayes, the big man out of Texas to compliment the number one pick of the draft, Zion Williamson. And now we head to Jeremy Wu, sportsillustrated.com, for the breakdown of Jackson Hayes. This is an interesting bit here for uh, for New Orleans, I think. Uh, you know, if you look at you know, the trade they made, obviously, just now, uh, you know, to come here and what Tatum and Smart and Williams, 14, and then the Memphis, Memphis pick, uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty good haul. Uh, I think Tatum would be a, you know, a, kind of the ideal guy to get back. And uh, you know, Hayes is a guy with a lot of upside. Uh, I think there's a chance he's the first center, you know, taken on draft night. Uh, you know, the tools with him are big time. I mean, he's a natural rim protector. He hasn't played basketball, high level basketball for very long. Late blooming guy. Um, but you just look and something's come pretty easily to him. Uh, you know, granted he's still kind of a baby. He's still sort of learning. Uh, and I think there's also some risks built in. You know, he wasn't a great rebounder this year. And he was out of position a bit. Uh, it's going to take some time for him to just catch up conceptually, I think. Um, but uh, the other other thing I worry about here with this fit is just, you know, the shooting factor. You know, he's not really a great jump shooter. Uh, and if you're in New Orleans and you're pairing him with, with Zion, who might not be a great jump shooter, well, you, you're going you're gonna to want to have four shooters on the floor around Zion at all times. So I don't, I don't know if Hayes is the guy who's going to end up being a stretch five, right? But uh, clearly some ability here. And I think at 14, uh, the upside is you know, totally worth uh, taking the swing. Uh, so I, I like the pick, and I, I think Hayes can end up being one of the better uh, bigs in this draft. It just might take a couple years. Wow, head spinning at this point. Hayes to the Pelicans, but more important on this deal, Anthony Davis to the Celtics. Tatum, Smart, Williams, the 14th pick, and the future Memphis pick. That's a pretty good haul for New Orleans, the way everybody's been talking about it, Brandon. Yeah, fascinating. Tatum being willing to give up Tatum, knowing how many rumors are already swirling about Kyrie having a foot in a few different cities seems almost locked in that he will not be a member of the Celtics, but Boston still moving forward with the deal, giving up their best player, their best young player to do that. If I'm looking around the league after this hypothetical trade, I would be wondering where the Celtics go to get that replacement point guard. Because if you get Davis, you're not taking a year off. You only have one year to convince this guy to stick around. He can be a free agent in 2020. I'm thinking, are the Celtics going to get Mike Conley? Are the Celtics going to try to draft a point guard? They have two more picks in this draft coming up. So it really throws things into a head spin here in our mock draft. Do you think that there's any chance that the Kevin Durant injury changes the way Kyrie Irving looks at his free agency. 
It's huge. I, I do. I, I think it would have to. I mean, the Nets thing confuses me because if this is a guy who truly wants to lead into win, the Brooklyn situation doesn't seem like a dramatic upgrade. So I would be looking at partnering with another free agent, Durant obviously being the best one, and potentially the Boston being able to sit there and say, well, we got you a co-star. We didn't have to give up too much to do it. Let's go win a championship. That has to be pretty convincing, even knowing how mercurial uh, Kyrie can be. Well, big news right away today on the Locked On NBA Mock Draft. While you digest that, Detroit is standing by. Orlando is scheduled on the 16th pick. Charlotte has moved into the 17th spot, and Indiana is on the 18th spot. It is the Zip Recruiter NBA Mock Draft on the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, every local NBA team has a Locked On Podcast. So get your favorite NBA team's daily podcast by searching your podcast provider for Locked On and your favorite team's name. It is the Locked On NBA Mock Draft. On the board, the Detroit Pistons and then the Cleveland Cavaliers. Detroit on the board with the 15th pick of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Remember, all you've got to do, find out ZipRecruiter for free is go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. Let's go to Matt Shook and the Locked On Pistons war, uh, draft room and find out what they're going to do with the 15th pick. This is Matt Shook of Locked On Pistons taking the 15th pick for Detroit. The Pistons mostly need talent on the wings, but there is a scenario where all the wings that they covet are gone and they look to build for the future with a talented big man or a point guard who can hopefully develop into a starter down the road. Everyone in this league wants big and versatile wings, and that can make the ones in this draft be overvalued. The Pistons front office could say, no, we're not taking a Romeo Lankford or Nasir Little who showed major deficiencies season college just because it's a need for our team this year they could go bargain shopping and free agency for a wing or two if they see a potential impact player somewhere else the dream scenario for Detroit is a player like Cam Reddish or Sekou Dumbaya or even Kobe White to fall all of those scenarios seem very unlikely before this mock draft, I put a feeler out to teams that I was hoping to deal in the 6-12 to 12 range with hopes of landing Dubaya, but the right deal never came together. Phoenix approached us about a Blake Griffin swap, offering the number 6 pick straight up, not a swap, along with Josh Jackson, Ty Warren, the Bucks' 2020 first-round pick, and salary fodder to match the contracts. We were interested to reset the organization and finally pick a lane for Detroit between being a possible contender or rebuilding. We also but the problem is we didn't believe in Josh Jackson as the second best asset in the deal. We countered with the same deal but replaced Mikhail Bridges and his 3 of D 3 and D skills instead of Jackson, but Phoenix balked at that understandably. Had we made a deal at number 6, we'd have chosen between Kobe White and Sekou Dumbaya. When that deal fell apart and Sekou continued to slide in this draft, I looked at teams such as Atlanta, Washington, Minnesota, and Charlotte and offered a pick swap with their picks at the uh, the far end or the, the bottom end of the single digits or top of the double digits in the draft and a pick swap with our number 15 and to sweeten it offered to throw in either Bruce Brown, Sfima Kailuk, or Kyrie Thomas, whichever one the other team wanted. It's going to be tough for all three of those guys to get minutes going forward, especially as we're going to throw another wing into the mix this offseason. In such deals, we are also asking for a future second-round pick to come back to us. 
among Stan Van Gundy's sins as leading the Pistons was trading second-round picks for the likes of James Ennis and Jameer Nelson. After this draft, the Pistons are without their second-round pick every season until 2024, although they do have one Lakers second-round pick in 2021 from the Reggie Bullock trade this February. No one was interested ultimately in our pick swap offers. So in this mock draft, much of the list of wings has been trimmed, and our big board in no particular order looks like this. For wings, we've got Kentucky's Tyler Hero and Keldon Johnson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker of Virginia Tech, and Stanford's Casey Akpala. Otherwise, we're also considering throwing our hands up on this bad crop of wings and taking flyers on guys like Goga Patadzi or Bull Bull. If the choices were instead like Romeo Lankford and Kevin Porter, we would go that route and draft a high-risk, high-reward player like Patadzi or Bull. P.J. Washington of Kentucky is also a talent that we're interested in, and we would listen to offers to trade down and collect more draft capital, but none came in this exercise. But since the number 12 player on my Pistons big board is still out there at 15, we're going to take him. And that's why with the 15th pick in the 2019 Locked On NBA mock draft, the Detroit Pistons select Nikhil Alexander-Walker of Virginia Tech. Alexander-Walker is above average at pretty much everything offensively and competes hard on defense. His three-point shot is a little funky but effective, and he should be a secondary playmaker on the wing, which should help. He'll need to get way stronger for the NBA, but his nearly six foot six frame and decent wingspan should play well in a wing rotation that needs to get a bit bigger. So the Canadian will be crossing the Detroit River to Michigan, and hopefully he'll develop into an impact player for Coach Dwayne Casey and the Pistons. He can pair with Bruce Brown in lineups for now, as Brown can handle the top defensive responsibilities, and also Alexander Walker's potential as a possible point guard candidate down the line is another positive for a Detroit team that has to make some kind of move there by next summer when Reggie Jackson's onerous contract comes off the books. Orlando, you're now on the clock. I'm super intrigued by this pick. This is a guy that I like, the Virginia Tech sophomore. He is six foot six, six nine and a half wingspan, sixteen points, four rebounds, four assists. Really feels very similar, frankly, to Shea Gilgus Alexander of a year ago. Let's see what Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated has to say about the pick by the Detroit Pistons. I think this is a good pick for Detroit. Um you know, granted, they, they did take two guards last year with Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas. Um, I think Nikhil is versatile enough that you could see him you know, play with those guys, uh, you know, play as a third guard if you have to. Uh, you know, it depends on what kind of looks they want to go with. But uh, I think Nikhil is one of the better floor guards in the, this range of the draft just because you know, his steal is good. Uh, you know, he's not going to be an alpha dog. He's not going to be, you know, your lead point guard or guy who scores a ton for you. But I think he's he's, he's very good at sort of picking his little spots. Uh, I think if you watch Virginia Tech, he was a lot better playing off of Justin Robinson at the point, uh, or when Robinson was playing points. So, you know, he's a guy who I think will be hopefully a plug-and-play guy after a year or two. Uh, he can make some really high-level passes. He can shoot a little bit. Uh, you know, he's long and good enough defensively to hold his own. Um, yeah, he, I don't think he'll be a, a star, but in this range of the draft, you know, you're just hoping you get a rotation player. And I think, uh, you know, in somewhere between – 15 and 20 is where you'll see him go, uh, just based on the, the security, I think. 
And as we come out of the Detroit Pistons pick, we have yet another trade to report. Very active work here by all the free agents. And this trade, again, brought to you by Hims. First month is just $5. When you get started for just 5 bucks, while supplies last and subject to doctor's approval, restrictions apply. See the website for details. This could cost hundreds. If you went to a doctor or pharmacy, for, go to hymns.com slash locked5. That's for Hims. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash locked5. For your special hymns deal featured in GQ, Men's Health, Esquire, Playboy, all sorts of things. Great way to avoid the awkward doctor visits. All right, trade Orlando's trade, the 16th pick. Timothy Mozgov, a future second to Cleveland for J.R. Smith and the 26th pick. Well, this feels like just one of those trades but let's find out from Phyllis Rossman Reich of Locked On Magic why they made this deal. Hello, this is Philip Rossman Reich of Locked On Magic here to explain why the Orlando Magic traded down from the 16th overall pick here in the Locked On NBA mock draft. To review the deal, as, as I'm sure Chris went over with you earlier, the Orlando Magic traded the 16th overall pick plus a top 50 protected second round pick plus Timothy Mozgov to acquire J.R. Smith and the 26th overall pick in this draft. This is really just mechanical for the, for the salary cap, at least on my end of things. Timofey Moskov did not play at all for the Orlando Magic last season. He was uh, dealing with a knee injury, or at least that's what they told us he was dealing with. Um, and the, the fact of the matter is the Orlando Magic acquired Timofey Moskov with kind of the sole purpose of eating his salary. They, they wanted Bismack Biombo out. They, they took a flyer on Jared Grant. They were going to eat his $16.72 million salary. As the Orlando Magic sit here trying to figure out how to take the next steps from their uh, surprise playoff appearance last year, they're really kind of in a cap bind. In fact, they're kind of operating as a team that is over the salary cap. And so there's not really a, a clear path to make big moves and improvements in free agency. And looking at the free agent future, the 2020 class especially, where the Magic might have a little bit of cap room with Mozgov's contract expiring, there isn't really anyone that interests me. And so I feel like, as sitting in Jeff Weltman's chair, I have to make my move now. I have to create some flexibility now. So trading away Timothy Mozgov at this point uh, frees up a, saves me a lot of real money, uh, which which I think sometimes we forget about when we discuss trade trades. But it also... Uh, frees up some money in the future, and frees up some cap flexibility now. If I had stretched Timothy Mozgov's $16.72 million, that would be about a $5.5, $5.6 million cap hit over the next three years. But J.R. Smith is different. J.R. Smith is owed $15.68 million in the 2020 season, but only $3.87 million is guaranteed until June 30th, 2019. Let me sit here and say now, I am cutting J.R. Smith. I have no intention of playing J.R. Smith on this team, even though the Magic do need a little bit of shooting. With that saving, with the $2 million worth of savings, you know, roughly $2 million worth of savings, I feel a lot more comfortable being able to go out and attack free agency and being able to perhaps re-sign Nikola Vucevic and bring in a big fish or bring in another player, perhaps perhaps a Goran Dragic or Malcolm Brogdon or, dare I say, maybe make a run at D'Angelo Russell. The Orlando Magic need to be aggressive in free agency, and so this kind of move helps me do that. On top of all that, a lot of the players that I was really looking at at 16 had already been taken off the board. I was a big fan of Nikel Alexander-Walker. I was a big fan 
of uh, Nasir Little, Romeo Langford, Kevin Porter Jr., they were all off the board, and I felt very comfortable trading back to 26 and being able to grab a player that I would like. And in fact, as you'll find out later on in the Locked On NBA mock draft, I did get a player that I really, really liked. And so I felt like this was a very successful trade because it created a little bit more cap flexibility, saved me a little bit of money, and I still got a player that I really, really wanted. I'll be back, of course, to review that pick coming up on a later episode. Until then, be sure to subscribe to Locked On Magic. You can find that, of course, on Himalaya. And of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Philip gives us the breakdown of what Orlando did. Now let's turn it to Cleveland side, Brandon. They've moved into this 16th spot. They already have Jarrett Culver. They got Colin Sexton from last year. What fits their mold? What are they? What are their choices? What are they looking at here? They're looking at a lot of uh, a lot of young prospects, a lot of guys at, at the forward and the wing. That's where I think this part of the draft, from about 10 to 30, is heavy. You're going to try to go get guys who are fitting uh, multiple position defenders in the modern NBA. And I think that's where I would expect them to go after drafting Jarrett Culver, who obviously fits that mold at number five. All right, we go to Cleveland's draft room. Chris Manning is in the room. Let's find out what they plan to acquire after getting rid of, of J.R. Smith and the 26th pick in exchange for the 16th pick, Timothy Mozgov, and the future uh, second round pick. Here's Chris Manning in the Locked on Cavaliers draft room. Chris Manning from Locked on Cavs here in the mock draft, uh, making a trade with the Orlando Magic, who had the 16th overall pick. Uh, This was a deal that sent J.R. Smith and his contract and the number 26 overall pick in this year's draft in exchange for Timothy Mozgov, a future top 50 protected second to the Cavs, and then the number 16 in this draft. For me, this is a deal that is exactly what if I'm the Cavs, I am looking for on draft night. J.R. Smith is this weird old CBA structured contract that is going to get uh, this team something. It should get them something, whether it's as high as Miami at 13, um, I think you know Oklahoma City at 21, or Orlando here at 16. I think there are teams looking to get off money that you could take this and cash in that chip to eat some bad money and and get back up in the first round and get a higher player, a higher quality player than you might have been able to get at 26. Perhaps you could still keep 26, perhaps that, you know, that that's in play here, but in the, for this scenario, I was more than willing to give up 26 to get up to 16. I, after taking Jared Culver with the fifth pick, I still have the same three needs, secondary playmaking, shooting, and defense. And it, with this pick, I am 100% addressing the defensive pick, and I'm taking Matthias Theibel from Washington. He projects as perhaps the best wing defender in this draft, played in a 2-3 in college, so there might be some kind of transition, but the physical gifts are all the way there. He's an older player. I expect him to come in and be able to play right away after being a senior at Washington last year. Um, I believe we can develop him into a shooter. I think he'll really benefit from playing in the John Beeline offense. That is a lot of motion and will help create him good looks. And I just think he's the perfect kind of wing for this roster. And you know, in getting him, I'm pairing him with Culver, Jetty Osmond, and uh, maybe we're you know Jaron Blossom game is a two-way contract player. David Nawab is still around. Perhaps we'll go get someone like Iggy Brodzikas if we you know, get a second round pick here. If I'm the Cavs, this is a foundational wing piece who can come in and defend. Um, I think the you know even if he's just Andre Roberson with a slightly better three-point shot, I really like that guy for the Cavs. This is a team that had one of the worst 
defenses ever last season. They need guys like Thibault on the roster. For me, getting up to 16, even not picking at 26, is no big deal. I This is just a no-brainer pick for me. I love what he could provide for this team in particular. He just fills a need that there's just no way they're going to really be able to fill otherwise. It makes you a lot less reliant on David Nawaba, who is a little bit older and certainly good, but it gives you another good defender, and this team needs literally every good defender it can get. I think this just pick makes a lot of a lot of sense. And look, Timmy Fumazgov is um, a lot of money to pay for someone next year. It's going to make getting under the tax a little bit problematic for the Cavs, but you could stretch him. You can stretch other guys. Um, worth eating that money, bringing back another member of the 2016 title team for the, for the goodwill vibes um, in Cleveland with him and Matthew Delavadova um, back sort of on expiring contracts for this season, as well as Tristan Thompson on an expiring contract. So bringing back some of that old crew that went and got overpaid after helping the Cavs win a ring in 16, coming back from 3-1 against the Warriors. But um, it's it's the fair price, and it is an unceremonious end for the J.R. Smith era in Cleveland, but I mean, he's certainly not going to be on the magic, you know, were this deal to happen in real life, but um, this is the the way his tenure ends, and I think for JR and the contract they signed him into, get them Thibault, um, is well worth it. And I think Thibault would be a great addition for the Cavs if they can end up taking him in this draft. And in my scenario, and getting Culver and him, I'm very, very happy with how this turned out for the Cavs. Matisse Thibault out of the University of Washington. Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu gives us the breakdown on this athlete. For me, this is a little bit high uh, for Thibault. I think there are enough questions about uh, where his offense is. Uh, and, you know, some of the defensive translation issues, you know, in Washington's zone that at 16, for me, it's rich. Um, I think it's more likely, you know, in the 20s, I'd feel more comfortable. But the upside is certainly there for him to return value on this pick. Uh, you know, you're banking on him being a high-level defender, taking him this high. And, you know, certainly the steals and the blocks and, and just watching his tape, you know, even though he was playing in, in the zone at Washington, he's the rare zone defender who kind of transcends that where – He's making athletic plays like chase down blocks and, you know, gambling for steals and he's so long and he's explosive. So he covers a lot of ground. And I think you look at him and you, you do see a guy who can, you know, pretty clearly has a pathway to being a very good role player. Uh, but you're hoping offensively, you know, he shot the ball while Washington, he kind of shoots a hard shot from, from outside. So you're, you're banking on the shooting translating and you're banking on him, you know, finding some way to contribute uh, offensively when he's not scoring. Uh, and he's, he's not a bad ball mover. Uh, but he's also not good at, you know, creating up a dribble. And that's going to be something that is going to make or break for him. Uh, but, you know, if he can just become a fine complementary player on offense, I think the upside is great enough defensively that you could see him, you know, justifying this pick for sure. Charlotte yesterday traded into the 17 spot so Brooklyn could go up to 12 there on the clock and Indiana's looking at 18. We'll see what comes up next when we continue. It's the ZipRecruiter's Locked On NBA Mock Draft brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Locked On. More Locked On NBA Mock Draft right around the corner. Remember, your local NBA favorite team has a local daily NBA podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This 17th pick has actually already been traded in real life as well. The Nets traded to Charlotte. We'll hear what we're going to do on the Locked On mock draft here in just a second. But let's go back to the Locked On Nets war room and hear about how their strategy with this 17th pick, which they used to move up to get number 12, is different than what Sean Marks did and why that might be the case. Let's go back over to Josh and Marcus. So if you have been paying attention, you'll know that the Nets did the opposite of what Marcus and I 
did in our mock draft. They traded their first round pick this year, number 17 overall. Of course, they still do have number 27, but traded 17 and a future first round pick. Uh, and Alan Crabb and his terrible contract for Torian Prince. You know, for for us, this wasn't really an option. Obviously, Sean Marks knows a lot more than we do in terms of how the Nets are positioned with free agents. It seems like that is uh, in a pretty good spot right now in terms of Kyrie Irving being interested in them. And this definitely clears uh, a lot of cap space for Kyrie and potentially uh, anyone he could recruit, whether that be a KD, a Tobias Harris, uh, whomever. And it gives a the Nets, a guy in Torian Prince, who uh, at 25 years old still has some upside on the table, has the physical tools to be a decent defender, even though he hasn't realized that right now, and is a really good three-point shooter. And that's something the Nets have really missed on the wing. Uh, Ronda Hollis Jefferson obviously wasn't getting it done. Uh, Rody Kurutz has a very inconsistent three-point shot right now. Damari Carroll is inconsistent as well. So this gives the Nets a really knockdown shooter on the wing with some size, and they're certainly not going to miss Alan Crabb. You know, I wish they would have been a li- little bit more nimble in their approach obviously still some time before the draft uh would have wanted to see them see how things shake out um get even more intel on the free agency market before pulling the trigger on this trade and even worst case if you don't do this trade uh you can still potentially stretch Alan Crabb's contract which gives you a lot more cap relief for this year should you end up needing it so not a huge fan of them giving up two first round picks but you know Sean Marks has certainly learned from the mistakes of Billy King did put a, a lottery protection on that pick that can, would convey next year or the future years. And then if it doesn't convey by 2022, it's going to roll over into two second round picks. And the Nets do recoup a second round pick from Atlanta. So um, I'm a bit skeptical of it, but we have enough faith in Sean Marks at this point to give him the benefit of the doubt. The Nets do get a nice role player in Torian Prince, but ultimately this trade is going to be won or lost depending on who they get in free agency. I personally really like Seiko Dumbuya and thought it was a really nice upside play for the Nets, but ultimately the Nets need that star power moving forward to elevate themselves from a team that looks like it's going to be a perennial five or six seed to a team that could really challenge for to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You need stars to do that. So ultimately, this is Sean Marks taking his swing at that, and we hope it works out. David, back to you. Charlotte Hornets on the board at 17. P.J. Washington, a player you talked about earlier, Brandon, still on the board. You've got to be surprised by that. Any other players here that jump out to you, Hashimura out of Gonzaga, any elite-level talent, or are we really just picking eye a beholder at this point? Well, of course, I think outside the top five, this draft is going to be fairly eye of the beholder, but there are a few guys who I think have fallen. Uh, Rui Hachimura, as you mentioned, P.J. Washington, as I've been keeping my eye on. Bull Bull is out of Oregon, is a player who, you know, had top five buzz before his own injury. Um, there's a lot of players, you know, Tyler Hero went to Kentucky, always going to have that eye on him because of that connection. So uh, there are, uh, this is where things are going to start to get a little tricky. I think Thibel went a little higher than I would have expected, and that is uh, kind of throwing things off for us. All right, let's go to the Charlotte Hornets and see what Doug and Walker have to, uh, their plans. Their big question, obviously, in the offseason is will they give the Supermax to Kemba Walker? But let's find out what they do with the 17th pick of the NBA draft acquired from Brooklyn.
This is Walker Mail of the Locked On Hornets podcast. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail. You can find our other co-host at Doug Branson, L-O-H, and Nada Edwards at Nada the Scribe. We appreciate you checking us out. If you want to get any more in-depth knowledge on the Charlotte Hornets surrounding all of the off-season questions and maybe who we were looking at in the NBA draft, we'll certainly give that information for you now, as well as if you want to get a little bit more in-depth, again, just check us out on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, and of course, subscribe to our podcast as you would with any Locked On podcast. We'll, we'll start off with what the Charlotte Hornets' biggest needs are, and especially with the situation that is surrounding them. The biggest question is Kimba Walker, whether the Charlotte Hornets want to re-sign him at full Supermax, maybe just a little bit less than the full Supermax, but still bring him back. And of course, if the Charlotte Hornets want to do that, as well as if Kimba Walker wants to come back. So if Kimba Walker doesn't come back, and... As of today, as of June 10th with the news coming out, Tony Parker is going to retire from the NBA as he tells the undefeated. So now that's two point guards that you're not going to have. The one point guard that you would have on this roster as it stands right now would be Devontae Graham, your second round selection from just this past season. While you might believe that Devontae Graham can develop into a viable option at point guard down the road, it certainly would be uncomfortable to have him as your number one and really your only point guard that you're going to roll with next season. So that might be a need where you go out in free agency, maybe get a veteran guy that is not Tony Parker because he's gone, as well as Kimball Walker, or maybe you decide to get one through the draft. Maybe somebody falls all the way to number 12 that you'd be willing to select. But most likely, Kimba is going to return. If the Charlotte Hornets want to keep on to the best star in their franchise's history, then you would think they would offer him at least $190 million, maybe not full Supermax at 221, but you could imagine them offering $190 million. And if Kimba would come back, then maybe point guard wouldn't be as big of a need because you would have Kimba back. And that way, you would go to what James Borrego, head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, what he said all along. He's always talked about the biggest need being some rim protection, having a big guy that is able to protect the paint and protect the rim in a way that Cody Zeller hasn't been able to do. And even Bismack Biombo, you just can't rely on him on offense. This is somebody that's not a viable option to be frequently implemented into your rotation. So a big guy really makes sense for the Charlotte Hornets. That would be some of their biggest needs. Maybe what they'll decide to do at two. It doesn't look likely that they're going to bring back Jeremy Lamb. So how do you replace Jeremy Lamb, especially with Malik Monk just not performing up to expectations heading into his third season. I think the big decision that they're making at this point between what draft prospects they might like, they've worked out Kevin Porter Jr. They just worked him out this weekend. That would fit that two-guard mold. Maybe they could address that position with Kevin Porter Jr., who has a lot of upside. Jackson Hayes, if he were to last to 12, I think he would be in heavy consideration. They've also worked out a couple of other guys that might be there, like a Brandon Clark. I think if you were to ask me who I'm trying to decide between right now, I think it would be between those three players that I think have a realistic shot of falling there. We did make a trade. We did trade number 12 to the Brooklyn Nets for their 17th and their 27th overall picks. My reasoning was that there was a bunch of different routes that I would not mind taking with the Charlotte Hornets. So if the Charlotte Hornets maybe wanted to take one of those big guys like a Bull Bowl, a Bruno Fernando, a Jackson Hayes, 
uh, Goga Bitaze. I think any of those guys would be viable options for the Charlotte Hornets. And so with that being in mind, with Kevin Porter Jr. being selected just to pick ahead, I decided to trade my 12th overall selection in this mock draft and move back and get 17 and 27. With 17, we selected Bol Bol. And Bol Bol was somebody that was a huge favorite of my co-host, Doug Branson, wanted to take part in that high ceiling where maybe the Charlotte Hornets can get out of purgatory that is mediocrity with a bowl bowl high ceiling maybe that comes to fruition and then with the 27th pick we decided to go get big three and D potential Keldon Johnson who I think is some real good value there look I know this isn't the NFL where a smart strategy is to trade down and just accumulate a ton of picks and future assets so you can try to enhance your team but I do think that in this particular draft there wasn't anybody that was there at 12 enough for me to stay home and miss out on getting two first round selections. Bull Bull's talent is extremely tantalizing. I know there's a lot of worries about his injury history as well as maybe some of his motor issues that he has displayed heading into just the little sample size that he gave us into Oregon basketball. But Bull Bull does have a lot of ability. He does provide that rim protection maybe that he could give the Charlotte Hornets just a good shot blocker. Maybe doesn't defend as well on the perimeter moving laterally. But Bull Bull is somebody that I think does have a high ceiling. It's just you hope that he's able to reach it. And Kelvin Johnson, just a solid prospect, shot 38% from the three last season. So maybe as a three and D guy, you can never have too many of those. Hopefully you can hit on a Kelvin Johnson if Bull Bull doesn't come to fruition. So that's what we decided to do in the Locked On NBA mock draft. Thanks for listening to our edition of what we decided to do on the Charlotte Hornets front. Again, you can catch us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets if you want to dive into a little bit more analysis on the Hornets front, as well as my personal Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug's Twitter at Doug Branson LOH, and Nada at Nada the Scribe. Thanks again for listening, and hope you enjoy this edition of Locked On NBA. And Bowl Bowl it is, as mentioned by Brandon earlier, a top five potential pick. Let's see what SportsIllustrated.com's Jeremy Wu thinks of Manute Bowl's son, Bowl Bowl. Bull is going to be one of the more interesting guys to watch on draft night. You know, I think his range will probably start uh, right at the back of the lottery. He could fall into the twenties. Uh, it's hard to know. You know, he did not do medical at the combine. Uh, and teams are going to have to feel comfortable with his health uh, in taking him. Um, but you know, at this point for Charlotte, who you know probably had to have a long term need at center, uh, you know, I, I think this is not a bad pick. Um, you know, you watch him; he can really shoot more naturally than a guy who's that big should be able to shoot. Uh, I think he'll be an effective help side shot blocker. Uh, I think there are some concerns about just him staying healthy with his body type, you know, and, you know, you saw obviously his his father has a track record, wasn't a statistically prolific player in the NBA. You know, he was a, you know, an NBA player, but uh, I think you have to have some concerns about what his workload can be, especially with the health already. Uh, And I think he'll be able to get pushed around a little bit as a rookie, uh, and will he be, ever be able to put on weight? I don't know. Um, but certainly he's one of the more interesting guys to talk about uh, just because just of you know, his natural touch uh, and just his size. I mean, there haven't been a lot of guys like him you know, that we've seen come into the NBA. So uh, if he doesn't work hard, I don't think he'll deliver on the potential. I think enough teams are concerned about the work ethic dating back to his time in high school that you know, it's something they'll have to figure out uh, whether they want to take that risk. Uh, and that plus the foot and the long-term concerns, I think, are going to make this risky, but the upside is certainly there where you get a starting center's, you know, stretch five with block shots. And so, you know, it's possible he delivers on this pick for sure. 
Bol Bol is eight, 19 and a half years old, 21 points, 10 rebounds a game. He's 7 2 and a half, 7 7 wingspan, 9 7 and a half standing reach. Rudy Gobert esque numbers there. Does he have any chance to have Rudy Gobert esque game, Brandon? Well, uh, you got to get Rudy Gobert-esque size, and I think that's going to be the concern for Bull after especially a lower body injury. Really tall, really long guys with foot injuries. There's obviously a shoddy history of those types of guys succeeding at the NBA level. So he enters the league with a lot of questions. I think that's why we saw him fall to 17, but Charlotte is uniquely positioned. I think their actual front office could use quite a bit more of this level of risk to rebuild that roster after getting into salary cap hell a little bit. The 18th pick of the draft goes to the Indiana Pacers. They're on the clock, and we head to the Pacers draft room now with Tony West and Adam Friedman giving the breakdown and insight on what the Pacers are going to do with our final pick of today's third day of the NBA mock draft. With the 18th pick in the locked-on NBA mock draft, the Indiana Pacers select Talon Horton-Tucker, freshman, Iowa State. Hi, I'm locked-on Pacers host Adam Friedman, and we determined on the locked-on Pacers that the Pacers' biggest need by far was a forward. If you look at the roster from top to bottom, they're very, very center-heavy. Um, there are my co-host Tony's has a motto ABC anything but center for the Pacers and obviously at guard with Victor Oladipo the Pacers do have a solid player there with the possibility to trade for a guard in the offseason uh, the team is in desperate need of a forward because of two reasons one they don't have any long-term plays at, at small forward or power for it at the moment and they also have their two biggest free agents are at those spots in Bojan Bogdanovich and Thaddeus Young for us it really came down to two players Lou Lugentis Dort out of Arizona State and Talon Horton-Tucker. Um, they both have very identical three-point percentages. We lean towards Horton-Tucker simply because of his size. Uh, while he's only 6'4", but he's 235, he's got a 7'1 wingspan. He has the ability to kind of guard any position, it feels like, maybe really one through four because of that wingspan. Um, he just seems like the superb athlete and has the ability to really shine. He's super young, which means he's pretty moldable to the roster. Uh, this Pacer team does a really good job bringing guys into their system, You know, whether it's a Miles Turner who has kind of flourished his last four years with the Pacers or a Glenn Robinson. They're really able to bring guys in, develop them, and turn them into really quality NBA players. And the best vision hope for out of him this season is just drafting a guy who can maybe contribute in the playoffs come this year or possibly have a pretty significant role in the team in two seasons from now simply because they have about a two-year window the Pacers if you look at them right now are in this window where they don't prove to star Vigil Depot, who was by far their best player and is when he's healthy is a borderline top 20 player they cannot prove to him that they're going to be competitive for the next three to five years he will leave the Pacers have been in the situation with Paul George where at one moment it felt like a superstar was going to stay you know Paul George snapped his leg and it felt like he was going to be at pace forever because they way they rallied around him and fought for him and whatever it was and two years later he was gone so the Pacers need to prove to Oli, but they can build a roster around him and that's what they need to do out of this pick whether it is trading this pick for a player who can add value to the team and making competitive this year whatever it is the Pacers need this pick to add value to this team at least next with at least in the next two seasons, if not next season at the minimum, simply because this is their window. Um, you know, I think there are some trade possibilities in terms of the sense that they could trip flip the guy for a player. Um, we flip around some guys, whether, you know, it's put into a package for Mike Conley or whatever it is to kind of go get a top 
superstar is it an add-on whatever it is but it, it, this pick could be traded in a bigger package i don't see the patient of flipping this go up going down or anything it's very hard to trade down in the nba draft but you know at the end of the day i think they'll probably make this pick because it's at that value range where it's not a very valuable pick to most teams because there's you know 10 to 30 in this draft is kind of considered all the same um but i think this pick has the potential to be kind of um a franchise changing pick for the Pacers in a way, simply because at the 18th pick, there usually are guys who are still pretty good. If you make the right pick, you can get a guy who can contribute in his first season, become a six man starter in his second season, and kind of become a real quality NBA player. I mean, OG Anobi went after the 18th pick. Um, in previous years, the 18th pick actually last year for the Pacers was Aaron, or Aaron Holland went 22 last year. They picked TJ Leaf previously at the 18th pick. He also he was a bust, but to me, this 18th pick is important for the Pacers proving that they're still good at drafting. You know, they missed on their pick two years ago with TJ Leaf. Like I said, Aaron Holiday, jury's still out, but it could be a positive. But this year, if they can prove they can hit this pick, it will do a lot going forward to encourage Starbuck Oladipo to stay with the team. Like I said, again, the Pacers with the 18th pick and the locked-on NBA mock draft took Talon Horton Tucker. You can follow Locked On Pacers podcast at Locked On Pacers. You can follow our host, me, Adam Friedman at Friedman Adam Five, or my co-host Tony East at T East NBA. Now on to the nineteenth pick. Well, another surprise for you, Brandon. They go with Horton Tucker. So Hashimura is still sliding. Hero still sliding. PJ Washington still sliding. Are you surprised? Really surprised, or just subtly surprised how this has gone? I think it's a, a great pick for them. Uh, again, another team that I think could use a little bit of riskiness in the draft. We've seen the Pacers in the past reach, or not reach, but take guys that, that aren't really exciting to me personally, I guess. TJ Leaf, Aaron Holiday, those are really low low ceiling players. Horton Tucker is the opposite. Very young, one of the youngest players in the draft. Just an all-around skill set that that is exciting, and I think you want to add a little bit of that upside. You want to add a little bit of those modern players around Victor Oladipo after seeing him kind of have that floor lowered on his ability with that veteran roster they've had the past couple of years. Let's hear what Jeremy Wu, our sportsillustrated.com, SI.com draft expert, says about Talon Horton Tucker out of Iowa State. Horton Tucker is a really interesting guy. Uh, I think this may be a little bit higher than you see him go on draft night, but you know, the upside is there if you, if you really love what he brings to the table. Um, I think he's a dynamic, you know, on-the-move playmaker. Uh, and there aren't a ton of guys in this range that really have that type of upside to be a good, uh, you know, secondary playmaker or whatever. Uh, he's, and he's so young. Uh, you know, he'll turn 19 late at the end of the year. Uh, so I think that, you know, also gives you some, some room to hope that he his body improves. Right? He needs to you know, get in better shape. He needs to be able to maximize. You know, he has great length. He's not very tall. Uh, but he needs to be able to maximize what he does have athletically. Um, but, you know, he, he's such a good good passer. Uh, he's a crafty, crafty scorer, uh, and I think he exceeded expectations at, at Iowa State for sure. Um, you know, I'd like to see him be more of a, you know, a ball mover and not a ball stopper at times. Uh, I think he can be he can do that and be really good. Um, you know, I think another question is just positionally where he fits in just because he's, you know, sort of the size of a two-guard, but he plays more like a – three, four combo. And, you know, at Iowa state, they were playing with four guards all the time and he was effectively a big, right. So, uh, you know, in the end, I'll have to figure out here, you know, how to plug him in and how to best maximize him. Uh, but certainly he's young enough and talented enough that, uh, you can justify this. And if you have an idea of how you want to develop him, uh, you know, he can be a pretty good contributor. 
Well, that wingspan is real. Seven, one, and a quarter. Six foot four, 235 pounds, Talon Horton Tucker. Well, this is sure making Monday's day four of our NBA mock draft interesting with Hashimura, Hero, Washington, all st- Cam Johnson, a great shooter still on the board. Keldon Johnson, a great play- pretty good player on the board. Lots of interesting players and lots of trade rumors floating. Dallas trying to get into the draft. Oklahoma City trying to dump some contracts being rumored. Utah maybe trying to get out of the draft to get some more shooting. We'll see what happens, what other deals might be made before we're done. Phoenix wasn't able to get their point guard early. Will they find a way to get one later in this draft? Uh, we'll see how that plays out. So lots of exciting things taking place. Before uh, we leave you today, let's go back over to our fantasy basketball desk at the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Desk. Josh Lloyd is there, and he gives us his analysis of how picks 13 through 18 will impact the NBA fantasy world. Hi guys, Josh Lloyd back again from Locked On NBA and Locked On Fantasy Basketball, looking at these six picks in the Locked On NBA draft, NBA mock draft, uh, talking about some of their fantasy potential. Number 13, the Miami Heat going with Romeo Langford. Um, I'm not, not a massive fan of this pick personally. He is still just 19. He can be a bit of a scorer, 6'7", pretty yeah, long wingspan with some defensive upside there for Langford. From a fantasy point of view on this Miami Heat team, I don't really see how he's going to be an excellent contributor. Poor efficiency numbers from the field, from the line, low steal rate, really low assist rate as well. And with Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow, Goran Dragic still there at this point. It's more of a play for the future, but I also think his upside is relatively limited, a low-volume three-point shooter as well. There are some concerns there with Langford from a fantasy point of view that I'm not overly investing in. There is some defensive potential as a rotation type of a player, but I'm just not sure it's really going to translate into much fantasy value for Romeo Langford as we move forward. At number 14, the New Orleans Pelicans. This was a trade that they made with the Boston Celtics involving Anthony Davis. So they come in here at number 14 and they take Jackson Hayes, a guy that I think has lasted on the board a little bit too long, a guy that I would have taken a little bit earlier than that, a rim protector, a guy that can come in to play alongside Zion Williamson as well, 7-4 wingspan. Some real, your real upside fantasy wise with that block rate, the really high field goal percentage, but you pair that field goal percentage with a strong free throw percentage as a big man, that's pretty good. Can rebound the ball a bit. It won't be a high volume scorer, but I think this is a really strong pick with some significant fantasy dynasty upside, especially if some of that block rate and rim protection ability can translate across from college into the pros. He needs to work more on moving the ball, not a three point threat at all. Maybe that comes. We've seen guys like Brooke Lopez, Dwayne Dedman, Marcus Sol develop that really late in their careers. Hayes hasn't shown that ability just at this point, and maybe he never gets there. But the shot blocking, the rebounding, the dual efficiency stuff is really impressive from Jackson Hayes, and that's a really strong pick. The Pistons at number 15, Nikhil Alexander Walker. That's a that's a really good pick, I think, in that uh, range as well. He does have some fantasy appeal. We know Reggie Jackson's still there. Ish Smith, uh, a free agent. Jackson may not be around for long. Alexander Walker, still 20 years of age, can be a, um, a ball handler, can play point guard, can play off the ball as well. They had guys like Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard play the two this season. I think there's future a future for both of those guys. Alexander Walker just gives them another option. Solid enough as a free throw shooter, decent efficiency, can generate assists, can generate steals. He's got some really significant fantasy upside as well. It probably wouldn't come to pass for this Pistons team for this coming season, although if Ish Smith does happen to leave in free agency, they don't really have many other ways of replacing him. So maybe Alexander Walker is an immediate rotation guy. It just won't be as a high uh, a high value player. Number 16, 
Uh, we've got the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers making this selection here, they, which they uh, did via the Orlando Magic. They got Matisse Thibel. Really, now, if this guy's stats in college are absolutely crazy, and he could translate to one of the best fantasy producers while being a low-volume player. So he's extremely, extremely interesting. Massive steal rate, massive block rate. And yes, the shooting last season wasn't good. He hit just uh, 30% of his threes, but the previous two years, 37 and 41%, gives you some hope. He's a very good free throw, throw shooter, a career 78% free throw shooter in college. And he has averaged three and a half steals this season in college and three steals per game last year while being a low volume guy. That sort of value in fantasy is unbelievable. Heading to this Cavs team, he'd be in the rotation immediately providing defensive numbers and could even have a top 120 season no matter really what team he goes for even if he gets 22-23 minutes a game the ability to generate defensive numbers and hit threes at a solid enough clip makes him a valuable player so he's definitely someone to watch and to see what situation he finds himself in at pick number 17 in this locked on NBA mock draft the Charlotte Hornets had this selection after they traded down from 12 with the Nets and they chose Bol Bol a guy whose season was riddled with injury didn't uh, barely played at all in his college, uh, college career but another guy that translates from a fantasy perspective very well. The ability to block shots, to rebound, to score, to hit threes, to be efficient from the field and from the line, it's all very interesting. We know this Charlotte team, they're running with Cody Zeller at center, Frank Kaminsky, Bill Hernan Gomez in that mix there as well. Uh, and then none of those are star type guys. Now, where the bowl can get there, his def- defense is a real problem. Um, and that could be a concern. Does he turn into one of those guys who's just a pick-and-pop three-point shooter who can block some shots a little bit like Thon McCare now in Detroit, but just can't stay on the court long enough? But that up upside there at 17 is impossible to ignore. And the fantasy stat translations are fantastic for Bol Bol. And rounding this one out, the Indiana Pacers at number 18. I love this pick. Talon Horton Tucker. The, the Pacers have a lot of uh, choices to make with their point guards. Darren Collison, Tyreek Evans suspended now for two years. Corey Joseph, all unrestricted free agents. Talon Horton Tucker is a guy that I, I really love. I think this is way too low. He's still only 18, one of the youngest players in the draft. Massive wingspan from him as well. Great you know, fantasy production as well. Can rebound, can get steals. The shooting is a, is a problem, and that is a concern. He needs to be able to shoot, but his defensive abilities, he can hit some threes. It is really intriguing at this spot, and getting him at 18, I definitely wouldn't wouldn't have him at 18 in any sort of dynasty situation. I'd probably have him above Alexander Walker that the Pistons took at 15, and probably even Langford at 13. There is still some concerns, but he's so young, really big wingspan, and ability to generate steals is so hard to find at times. And a guy like Horton Tucker is a great pick by the Indiana Pacers. Uh, a guy that probably isn't going to have massive fantasy impact initially with guys like Aaron Holiday ahead of him, but some real value there for him at that number 18 spot. This has been day three of the ZipRecruiter Locked On NBA Mock Draft. Remember, drafting is hard. Hiring is hard. But there's one place that makes drafting your new talent or hiring simple, fast, and smart place where growing businesses connected with quality candidates it's ziprecruiter.com slash locked on go to ziprecruiter.com slash locked on for free ziprecruiter.com slash locked on this has been day three of the locked on nba mock draft back with you monday with picks 19 through 24 and some major trade rumors flying It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, go tell your smart device to play your favorite team's Locked On Podcast by simply saying whatever 
active word, key word, and say play podcast locked on your favorite team. Have a great day.